Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of December 23rd, 2019. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and Happy Kwanzaa to all of you. On the show today, I review Disney's new Riviera Resort, and Jim gives us the history of the Caribbean Beach Resort on which the Riviera is built. Let's get started by bringing in the man who started Daylight Savings Time by saying, what if night began at lunch? It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? <laughs> Just yesterday, <laughs> I was down visiting my parents in, in Massachusetts, and this discussion of why do some people call the meal the, the tail end of the day dinner and others call it supper? And this began this Google fest where it turns out that dinner is more of an English thing. And Oh, I knew it was the British. I, uh, I had this conversation one time with, uh, with good friends of ours who uh, were from uh, outside London mm-hmm. about uh, the difference between and you should, uh, the difference between tea, mm-hmm. dinner, and supper. And if you have any British friends, you should ask them to describe it in detail. Okay. It is so nuanced as to be incomprehensible from anyone who wasn't born into the system. And yet, baked beans for breakfast. <laughs> Tomatoes. Tomatoes for breakfast. Yeah, yes. that's it. That negates everything for me. <laughs> You say it's logical, however. Yes, make me for breakfast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this discussion ends now. I once uh, I once stood in a line with the uh, with the kids, Alex and Kieran, mm-hmm. uh, my friends' uh, kids, and uh, at Gringotts. And while we were waiting for the hour, they explained not only uh, Britain's system of government, mm-hmm. but also the difference between these meals. And the people on either side of us were in rapt attention with this. They were like, you should make this into a PBS show. Like, we, we, should, ex- we should explain this to Americans. This is fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was great. Something's got to fill the gap for Downton Abbey, okay? I'm just saying, you know, just <laughs> true. So BBC true. America, get on this now. All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Matt C., Randy M., and R. Nolan, and longtime subscribers, EJP, Patrick B., and Mr. Dan S. Did you know, Jim... These folks are the actor co-stars you see in the short Three Caballeros films throughout the Grand Fiesta Tour at Epcot's Mexico Pavilion. I I learned so much doing this show. (laughs) So Matt and Randy are the waiter and chef in the restaurant scene, and Patrick and Dan are the cliff divers, which they did with absolutely no prior experience. That's why these are silent films, Jim, because the audio would have just been, the union's going to hear about this. (laughs) Ooh, wow. Okay. All right, Jim, let's do the uh, the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast for a worry-free travel experience every time. Book online at storybookdestinations.com. And I mentioned Storybook Destinations, Jim, mm-hmm. because our, I saw our good friend, Tammy, oh, who runs hey. Storybook Destinations mm-hmm. at the Riviera mm-hmm. uh, Resort, which opened this week or last week at uh, in Walt Disney World. So it was, uh, it was great to see her. You, you've been following this one, Jim? To be honest, I've been following Tammy, who just moved from the West Coast to Colorado and then has been doing, uh, you know, uh, just living out of a suitcase, charging around the country. But so she was there for the opening of the Riviera, right? She was, and and she looked like a little bit jet lagged, but uh, <laughs> but she was also going through those. I guess the Disney was holding some travel agent events mm-hmm. at the opening. So the the opening of a of a DVC, sorry, the opening of a Disney resort mm-hmm. is is an event, yeah. right? It happens only every couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's always a good time. Uh, whenever it happens, I booked my stay. I think it was January. Whenever they announced like the opening day for it, I booked it. So basically a year in advance. Mm-hmm. And it's always an event, okay. Especially for uh, for this resort, which I think is around three hundred rooms. Mm-hmm. 
it's great to see, you know, everything being run through for the first time with real live actual paying guests. So it's a hoot. So the background in this resort, Jim, it was designed to be basically Disney's first deluxe DVC resort. And the rumor that we had heard mm-hmm. was that it was going to be Grand Floridian-like. Do you remember talking about that? Yeah, yeah. And with the notion of we have our 50th anniversary coming up of the Walt Disney World Resort. It's mostly going to be centered around Epcot. And so Epcot needs a Magic Kingdom monorail-like hotel. That's a great way of saying it. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it is. It is Disney's first deluxe DVC. So it opened on the 16th. Mm-hmm. I show up at 6.30 a.m. <laughs> at the guard's desk. I was awake. Okay. Uh, I was. I had spent the previous two days getting up at 4 a.m. for Rise of the Resistance. I was so about I to was, ask. I can't just. My, my body clock was reset. Anyway, okay. so I get there at 6.30. Mm-hmm. I get to the guard's station and, and they say, uh, it, the resort's not going to open until 7. Mm-hmm. So it's it's off of Osceola Parkway. Mm-hmm. I tell the guard, okay, I'll come back at 7, but mm-hmm. do you know what this line is going to be like at 7 o'clock, mm-hmm. right? With 300 people trying to check in, plus all the travel agents who are coming to see it, plus all of the the media that, that want to come see it, right? Plus all the people who are just curious about it. Do you know what this is going to be like at 7 o'clock? And the dude gave me the look like my supervisor standing over there. I'm just, I'm just the messenger man. <laughs> so I... I flip around, mm-hmm. I go sit at the, uh, you know, that Speedway mm-hmm. gas station right by Boardwalk. Sure. I sit there until 6.55 mm-hmm. and I drive over. And sure enough, at 7 o'clock, traffic is backed up all the way down Osceola Parkway. In fact, it's it's so jammed mm-hmm. that there are people who are coming the opposite way on Osceola Parkway who are trying to make a left into the Riviera are actually blocking traffic going the opposite way Oof. because the way the lights work and the, and the lines are so backed up. Mm-hmm. So eventually I get in to the Riviera and it's it's actually a pretty wonderful driving experience. Mm-hmm. You you don't go directly from Osceola straight into the lobby. Instead, you know like at uh, at Art of Animation, you go through sort of a curvy path. Yeah. Yeah. To to get to the mm-hmm. to the drop-off point to the to the entryway. And it's it's sort of like there's a reveal at the last minute where you finally see the entire resort face on mm-hmm. in all of its glory for the first time. They they do that. And it's a it works really really well as sort of like a grand reveal mm-hmm. for the resort. If I a quick question here, how much of this is residual infrastructure from Caribbean Beach? That's a great question. It's a completely separate entrance ah. from Caribbean Beach. So they they built their own mm-hmm. around the corner from Caribbean Beach. So completely separate. If you're staying at Riviera, you can see Caribbean Beach, but you don't see any infrastructure shared. Hmm. Yeah, so that part's really, really good. Okay. So you drive up. And opening day, uh, so I decided to valet park because I was going to be there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, so, and there was nobody at the valet parking, which was great. And it turns out that valet parking was actually free the first day. So, woo. Okay. So I drop it off. Everyone's super excited. Take my bags and I walk into the lobby. And you can tell right off the, the right from the breath of bat that they've, they've learned a couple of things uh, or they've, they've, they've grabbed some of the best tricks mm-hmm. about the, uh, the entrance walk into the lobby. On either side of you are waterfalls. Mm-hmm. So they're tiered, formal concrete waterfall, sort of like you would get in a uh, the back of a French garden, mm-hmm. right? But it's but it's up front. So it reminded me a lot of you know like when you're going into the Polynesian, going over the bridge, um, and you've got the waterfall and water on either side. Sort of there's so you yeah, got soundscape, yeah, yeah. you can mm-hmm. smell the water. Mm-hmm. It looks good. They've got that there. It looks really good. Okay. But then uh, right before you get to the lobby are these two sort of arcades? You know, like in uh, in Disneyland Paris oh, along Main Street, they've yeah. got the arcades. Mm-hmm. They've got two arcades on either side of the lobby with um, uh, wrought iron uh, gates mm-hmm. opening up. One opens up to a small little uh, courtyard. 
with some chairs. I think the other one, I think they're using for scooter storage. They were at the time, mm-hmm. but it could eventually be, you know, something else. Very small, but but charming, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and good place setting mm-hmm. for Disney. They did a great job on it. So you, uh, so you walk into the lobby and it's all white marble. And let me just say too, it smells like in a spa mm-hmm. on the inside. It smells great mm-hmm. when it comes in. Very clean, sort of. It smells, I think my, my younger sister was there. She walked in and she smelled, she said, this smells like rich people, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I'm not sure how to describe the scent in any other way, but that was, that was what she went with. Okay. So you're in a, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Crisp pills of a high denomination, Lynn. You know. <laughs> exactly, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's it. Maybe that's what it smells like. Chris, the, the banker who hands you the crisp bills of a high denomination, that's what it smells like. There we so go. it was really so, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of white marble um, on the inside. And the thing that jumped out at me first was the artwork. So you've seen the concept art mm-hmm. of the artwork at Riviera where it's Disney's take on old European masters, mm-hmm. but with a Disney flair. So it's actually old and new Disney Masters. The uh, and the lobby has two really large prints in the style of Henry Matisse. Mm-hmm. So the bold sort of uh, geometric shapes in primary colors: the reds, the blues, the yellows, the greens. But it's done with Disney character silhouettes interspersed in the geometric shapes. It's very clever. Mm-hmm. You would actually have to look at it for a little bit to find the Disney characters. So very subtle, very understated, but I liked it, and it went really well with the decor. So it's a uh, it's an oval shaped lobby. It's relatively small. I would say it's it's much more like Kidani Village's lobby than it is Animal Kingdom Lodge. Mm-hmm. No soaring ceilings, okay. nothing like that. Okay. It's also uh, similar to the Grand Testino Tower mm-hmm. lobby in that if you go back far enough, you eventually go downstairs, and they've got sort of that uh, tall multi story glass window looking out over the over the grounds. Mm-hmm. So off the lobby, you've got Le Petit Cafe which is in the morning serving coffees and pastries, mm-hmm. and they are fantastic. In the evening, it switches over to wines and pastries. So basically, pastries is what I'm saying, Jim, with okay. your preferred drink of choice. Okay. Spacious, well-decorated, some interesting artwork in there. Excellent service. Food was very good. I mean, it's the standard Disney croissants, but they uh, they actually switch out the menu around lunchtime and go to uh, to afternoon pastries then, and th- those are fantastic. Mm. And attached to the cafe is a reading room with Europe-related Disney memorabilia. So you can see pictures of Walt in Europe. There's some display cases with memorabilia from like the first Mickey Mouse doll sold in Europe, things like that. Hmm. The scene or the, uh, the theme is a library, but you can't actually pull the books out of the shelves. They're sort of glued down. But still, mm-hmm. plenty of tables, excellent service. It's, uh, it becomes table service in the evening. So somebody will bring you your drinks. Um, if you want, I would say overall, very adult feel, very sophisticated for a Disney um, DVC resort. And that's interesting that one of the things that, that I heard over and over again from people mm. as I was going through the resort is it feels more grown up. And that's not to say there weren't kids, mm-hmm. but it feels more adult. Is that, a, is that something that Disney's consciously going for these days? You know, it's so, I ask, and here's why, here's why I ask, mm-hmm. like more than half of the surveys, the guest surveys that we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the official guide and from touringplanes.com are adult-only trips. And I was wondering if that's something that Disney was targeting. Well, you were just forwarded a survey where they're talking about a brand new set of amenities that are being considered for the Disney World Resort. They're talking about creating at 
pre-existing uh, Disney World resorts, adult-only areas, whether it's spa space or, or you know a, a quiet pool or that sort of thing. This mm. seems to be something that is definitely on Disney's radar, and this is the feel for this new DVC. That makes sense then. Yeah, and, and I've heard that uh, over and over from a lot of people that, that there should be with an existing resort, some sort of adult-only mm-hmm. section, at least you know during parts of the day. And I think the one that you and I have talked about is that bars should be adults-only after 5 p.m. I get that, but at the same time, you look at- I know, I understand. You know, some, you, one bar, you, one bar in a deluxe resort should be all adult-only after 5 p.m. I'm not I, saying it- I, I, I get that, I get up. that, but you, know, you, you yeah. have to tell the Imagineers who are sort of trying to, to read the tea leaves in regard to Bob JPEG, and it's like, yes, of course, what the Grand Floridian needs is a Beauty and the Beast-themed bar, you know, at the library. R- remind me of that, because the, one of the things that I, that I realized after the fact is that the Beauty and the Beast bar mm-hmm. shares the same chandelier design as Topolino at oh. uh, the Riviera. So it's it's all French, mm-hmm. uh, but it looks like they got a two for one bargain from whoever made the uh, the light fixtures. <laughs> the first pass, not quite, but hang on, I got another one. <laughs> you like that? I got two. Oh, there you go. So. Anyway, so uh, so from that, also there's a, there's a shopping boutique which, uh, with I'm told, the largest selection of resort specific merchandise hmm. of any DVC resort, and it looked good too. I mean, okay. the bathrobes you would wear around all day, like you would hate to get into regular clothes. Because the bathroom, the bathrobes are that fluffy, mm-hmm. but it rel- relatively small. I mean, you could get, you could probably live for a couple of days on the food that you buy in the uh, in the refrigerated cases, but eventually you'd want more. But mm-hmm. again, it's for a couple of days. There's enough stuff there for for anything that you need. Okay. So the resort is actually separated into an east wing and a west wing, and the west wing is closer to the Skyliner. So uh, off of the lobby, you'll have walkways, hallways to uh, uh, the elevators. For the West Wing and the East Wing, and also elevators down to the uh, the first floor, the grounds themselves. Mm. On the grounds, they added a very European feature, which is a bocce court. Mm-hmm. So lawn lawn bowling, if you're familiar with this, and people were actually playing it, wow. which was great. Now, all right, refresh my memory. When we went to Golden Oaks. Out of Palm Springs. Oh, to the uh, oh no, it was uh, uh, Smoke Smoke Tree Ridge. Smoke Tree Ridge. My mistake. Okay. Yeah. Didn't Walt actually pay for the creation of the bocce of court? the bocce court there? Yeah. You know, so, that was uh, so one of the ways he Disney sort of into European. Yeah, sort of earned his way into the good graces of the folks running Smoke Tree. Because the thing of Smoke Tree is you had to be invited to be part of the community. You you know you couldn't just come in and buy, so to speak. So. Walt sort of endeared himself. But I I remember they had the bocce lawn court set up uh, right next to the recreation center, right? Right. And the uh, the recreation center was actually named for Disney, wasn't it? There you go. So bocce court, very Disney, very uh, European was there. They also have a um, a European-style activity lawn. Mm -hmm. So if you imagine a a French formal garden, you've got sort of hedges uh, and very ornate lawns laid out in geometric styles. Mm -hmm. This is similar but without the hedges. So there's an area there to play chess. Uh, you can you can see sort of the geometric styles if you're uh, uh, of the lawn, how it's laid out. If you're in the lobby looking down, there are two pools. Mm-hmm. There's a quiet pool like directly in back of the uh, the lobby. It's relatively small, but still you know well apportioned. And then there's a larger pool, the Riviera pool, which is directly opposite the East Wing, and it's a zero entry pool. Has a great kids area. In fact, as I was uh, as I was walking through. The pool area, the kids' pool area, I was you know taking video, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out what all of the 
the ropes and the dials and all of the gadgets that they built in the in the kids' pool. Uh, I was trying to figure out what they did. Mm-hmm. So a cast member helpfully volunteered to go in the pool. It was a splash area, but in the water, so the water was like, you know, ankle deep, but still it was ankle deep. So mm-hmm. but a cast member who was a lifeguard who was working there was like, oh, well, I'll go show you what all this does. So he's, you know, he's pulling on the ropes that make the water, you know, spurt out and stuff. And he's, he's doing all the running around for me. I'm like, thank you for doing all this, sir, rather than me, <laughs> me rolling up my, uh, my pants and getting, getting wet because it, it was 60 degrees. Mm-hmm. The day that we were doing this, it was, it was a little cold. So kudos to the cast members who, uh, who volunteered for that. Great, great kids play area. I would have played in it for like an hour. It mm-hmm. was fantastic. Um, right off of that, because uh, anytime you've got uh, kids in play, you obviously need a bar. <laughs> and so there's a – called – What a wonderful, ideal, anyway. I don't, wonderful I don't know about example you you're setting. Okay, but please continue. <laughs> I wonder, Jim, why my babysitting service never took off. I, I think this I, is it. <laughs> Daddy needs a new Muscatel, all right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's called Bar Riva. Mm-hmm. It's, a, uh, it's a covered outdoor bar, very you know European, reminds me of sort of Greece. The funny thing is, so it's a, a it's a deep blue, like ocean blue theme, uh, colored bar. The uh, the paintings on the wall are of sort of Greece uh, cliffside homes, and uh, it, they actually included a Disney Cruise Line ship in the mural, which is really nice. Yeah, but a uh, great bar if you want to. You can sit out, watch the kids, and still be you know covered, so shaded from the sun while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked great. They also have the movie lawn over by the uh, the main pool. And then, like I said, the Skyliner is on the opposite side of the resort. So I check in. First thing I did is I had character breakfast over at Tupolino, mm-hmm. which is on the 10th floor. So first thing, I check in, and immediately go to breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so this is a character breakfast with Mickey and Minnie, Daisy and Donald. They are all dressed up in their European finest. Minnie's wearing a très chic uh, French outfit. Donald, I believe, is a sculptor. But then again, who knows? Mm-hmm. And they're they're all in, in their various characters. The thing that uh, the thing that I found most remarkable about this is the price of the character breakfast. Currently, forty one dollars for adults. I think thirty four mm-hmm. for kids. That is remarkably inexpensive for a Disney character meal. I mean, it'll go up next month. Well, right? No, I mean, that's it'll be, it exactly. <laughs> it'll be fifty one next month. Sort of keeping tabs through social media and that sort of thing. People are already. Just raving about this is the best character dining experience on property right now, and and it's very small, and you you have a very high or a very low ratio of characters to guests. Mm-hmm. Like we could have gone through each character twice in our short meal. Okay, so the room itself is, uh, I would say it's probably half the size of California Grill, and it's laid out similar. So it's mm-hmm. the decor is relatively neutral. The big thing, the big draw is the view. Mm-hmm. So you've got windows on three sides and you can see Epcot and the studios uh, relatively close. In fact, you were so close to Epcot that the the first icon that you see in Epcot is the Campanile Bell Tower mm. of Italy. And it's it's directly in, in line with your site. So fantastic views of mm-hmm. Epcot forever at night. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, uh, or you know, nearby, uh, fantastic views of the studios fireworks shows at night too. Really, really good. Uh, views. Uh, if you're thinking of going there, you have to have a reservation to access mm-hmm. the. So they've got a little outdoor balcony, outdoor patio. Actually, actually pretty spacious, mm-hmm. where you can watch all these things. Got to have a reservation to get in, though. You can't just walk up and do it. Anything by way of dress code? So they say business casual, but nothing was being enforced while I was there. Okay. So uh, character breakfast overall. I had so I tried a few things. Mm-hmm. They start you off with an artist palette cup of uh, pastries. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, 
blueberry muffins, croissants, things like that. I thought it was it was very good overall. I, I tried a few things on the menu. Um, one of them is a uh, a sausage hash, mm-hmm. which was mildly spicy. I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it you know spicy, but that was very good. So eggs, onions, peppers, sausage, all sort of mixed up, mm-hmm. which was good. Came with a side of meat, so bacon, sausage, vegetarian sausage. The other thing I tried, which was recommended, was sour cream waffles, which mine weren't very crisp. They were more like sour cream pancakes in a waffle shape, mm-hmm. but they were, it came with the meat too on, uh, as well. There was also a, a steak option for breakfast because this is America, <laughs> which was delicious, but it was, Jim, it was a lot of, I mean, you would eat this and go back to bed. It was a lot of steak and eggs mm-hmm. and you would go back to bed um, after that. Also, they've got this sort of the standard, you know, two eggs with the meat and mm-hmm. potatoes standard that Disney has. Overall, I thought for $41 and the characters, mm-hmm. definitely worth it. Again, I expect that to, to go up um, within a month. Also came back to dinner that night mm-hmm. and dinner was excellent. Mm-hmm. So it would definitely be in my top 10 uh, restaurants for Walt Disney World. I'm not sure it's in my top five, mm-hmm. but it's it might be just outside of my top five. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing there is um, my all-time favorite server team in Walt Disney World mm-hmm. is now working at, at Topolino. So I won't mention their names to, you know, um, because I don't want everybody asking for them because that would be sort of awkward if you couldn't get them. Mm-hmm. But they're there. Uh, they came from Victorian Alberts. I consider these folks, they're a married couple. I consider them sort of the gold standard for Disney service. Wow. Uh, and they're there, uh, which is, was really good to see them actually. And I got one of them for our, for our servers and, and it didn't disappoint. Holy cow. But when you think about what people do to land Victorian Albert, the fact that they've got people of that quality at Topolinos, right. holy cow. So this particular couple went Victorian Alberts mm-hmm. Tiffins back when Tiffins was good mm-hmm. to here to Topolino. So it was great to see them. Super super knowledgeable about wines and wine recommendations. I mean, as you would expect from anyone who was trained at Victorian Alberts, mm-hmm. they know everything about the menu extensively and can do pairings as well as you would uh, as well as you would think. So service, you know, five stars out of five. Mm-hmm. The food I thought overall was very good. Mm-hmm. Tried almost everything on the menu. So it's breaking up into appetizers, starters pastas and mains so the starters are things like marinated olives or cheese with bread and then starters are things like plate of beets or salads or escargot or ravioli okay of these i tried uh i tried the gnocchi which is with duck confit Mm -hmm. uh 16 i think this is one of the uh the best starters that you could get it's delicious it's savory mm-hmm. it's relatively small so you're not going to fill up on it but a uh, fantastic flavor from uh they have like a white pesto that goes with it and it's uh, uh accompanied with kale and pine nuts i would definitely get the uh, the gnocchi also the uh the burrata con panna so which is freshly made burrata cheese with bread in a winter truffle and olive oil uh the other thing we tried was the heritage hog terrine which is it comes with brioche uh, apple, celery, and endive, also very good. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the beets, which are super interesting because so they're beets, mm-hmm. right? They're the root vegetable with white beans and uh, uh, and radish, but they do they imagine it in a glass a terrarium, but like a uh, 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 like a hot house. Mm-hmm. They've and, and but instead of glass, they're using a pressed lemon meringue to function as the walls and top 
of the uh, of the hothouse. That's how they pre- that's how it's presented. So you uh, the you eat the beets uh, along with little pieces of the lemon meringue, mm-hmm. and the the tartness, the sourness of the lemon goes really well with the beets. So whoever whoever thought of it, not only thought of a great flavor combination, but a really interesting way to present it. Mm-hmm. I'm not even a huge fan of I beets, mean, and I thought it was delicious. That sounds tasty and pretty. Wow. Okay. Cool. It was both. It was <laughs> both. I think the highlight of the starters for us, though, was the kale and pear salad, mm. which came with uh, figs, quinoa, almonds, and uh, and cheese. Delicious. Would totally eat that entire salad by myself um, as a starter. Also tried the uh, winter pumpkin ravioli mm-hmm. with uh, wild mushroom uh, soup and pumpkin seed oil. Also delicious. The things that we didn't try were the uh, escargot mm-hmm. And the uh, the romaine salad, uh, we just ran out of, of people for the food. Mm-hmm. But again, everything on that was good. The pastas, they do a braised chicken uh, rigatoni, which was delicious. My favorite was the linguine scampi. Mm-hmm. So shrimp with uh, San Marzano tomatoes, garlic, lemon, olive oil, pasta, obviously. Uh, I think that was the best of the pastas that we that we tried. It wasn't like overly garlicky, mm-hmm. so it was really well balanced. Uh, everything was perfectly cooked. I thought it was very good. Uh, we tried four of the seafood and meats selections. We tried the veal chop, which was probably my number one in that. We tried the braised lamb shake, which which is actually what I ordered, mm-hmm. which was fine for what it was, but it's it's actually so tender that it reminded me sort of like a beef pot roast. Oh. Okay. Which wasn't what I was going for in lamb. And there was a lot. It was a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so of all of the things that we ordered, it would probably be the thing that I would order last again. Mm-hmm. They've got the uh, also on the menu, the standard filet mignon, which again is, is standard truffled mashed potatoes. Every Disney menu has to have filet and mashed potatoes somewhere. This is that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. They do a vegetarian option with, uh, with a bean cassoulet with king trumpet mushrooms and root vegetables and a plant-based sausage. And if you had told me, Jim, that this was plant-based sausage, if you if you didn't tell me ahead of time, I wouldn't have known the difference. Wow. It was super tasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I think breakfast is a decent value. I think possibly except for, uh, except for the braised lamb shake that I had dinner, everything was delicious. Mm-hmm. Every dessert that we tried on the menu was, was excellent. I would recommend all of them again. As well, uh, in terms of prices, very reasonable for Disney, mm-hmm. and very reasonable for the service and the atmosphere that you get. Really, really good. You know, one of the, the features of this restaurant is the fact that you get that view. And one of the issues with Grand Californian, which has also has that the equivalent of that view, is that when the fireworks go off or with that sort of thing. The dining room, stand, you know, a good portion of the dining room stands up and goes to, you know, out to take a yep. look at that sort of thing. Did something similar Topolino or? Yeah. So it actually happens twice mm-hmm. because of the time of year and the time at which the sun sets. And because the, the resort is, or the restaurant is so high up, mm-hmm. they actually uh, keep the blinds lowered mm-hmm. uh, until a couple of minutes before sunset. And that, as the sun sets, they raise the blinds. And at that point, everybody goes outside to take photos of, of the sunset because mm-hmm. it's really a picturesque view. Mm-hmm. You get sort of Epcot in the background. You've mm-hmm. got the resort itself in the foreground. And you've got the sun setting in the far, far background. It's, uh, it's very pleasant, especially when the sun actually goes down. So you get some decent light. Uh, on it. Yeah. So the, the, the floor does clear out a couple of times and the staff knows that, right? Mm-hmm. The staff knows that that's, that's going to happen. Okay. Um, yeah. But overall, 
overall really good experience. Can't say enough about the service. Mm-hmm. Food's very high quality. Like I said, maybe not in my top five, but definitely my top 10. Okay. So then I eventually made it back to my room. Uh, and this is where uh, I think the resort is, is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it's a new DVC, it's got the newer DVC layouts. In particular, if you're thinking about like a one bedroom, two bedroom, or three, three bedroom, the main thing that you, you want to know uh, besides the size of the rooms is that the kitchen is in that new galley style layout where you've got uh, sort of the refrigerator and seating on one side of the galley mm-hmm. and you've got the, um, the sinks, the appliances, you know, the dishwasher and so on and the range on the other side. And the reason why that's important is it really opens up the room. So if you've, if you've ever stayed like at Saratoga mm-hmm. Springs, for example, you know that when you walk in into Saratoga, the kitchen itself is sort of in a, a walled off mm-hmm. area, right? It's got counters around it, sort of segmenting that space from the rest of the main living area here, it's all one clean flow through and it really opens up the place. I'll say, um, the, so the rooms themselves are follow the decor of the lobby, a lot of white marble everywhere, tons of bright light, excellent lighting, lots of windows, very clean, very modern, very sleek space. The, when I looked at the room illustrations online, when I looked at the concept art for it, I thought it looked, it didn't look particularly themed, mm-hmm. but with the artwork, and with the uh, the wood finishes and, the, and the, the wood accents that they added, I think it's just themed enough. It's definitely not not themed. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's about as themed as I would want it for, for this kind of room. So theming for me wasn't a problem at all. Like I said, very clean, super functional. The other thing is, is these rooms are huge, Jim, especially in comparison to, to most other DVC resorts. So I'll give you an example. I'll start with the uh, start with the big rooms and I'll work my way down. Mm-hmm. So the three bedroom grand villa is over twenty five hundred square feet. It's actually slightly larger than the the size of the median new home in the United States. Dear Lord. Okay. Yeah. Three full bathrooms, complete dining room, mm-hmm. tons and tons of space. So it's broken up into three separate bedroom areas. One is the master bedroom with a king bed, and you know all the stuff that goes with that, and its own separate you know master bath. There's another bedroom with two queen beds. It doesn't have an ensuite bathroom, but you walk across the short hall and there's a bathroom right there. And then you get another third bedroom with two queen beds and an attached uh, bathroom with a shower uh, as well. And, and like I said, in the middle, you've got a, a giant living room, plenty of space for everyone mm-hmm. directly opposite the kitchen. And then you've got a, a dining room space with a table for 10 in case you needed to have some sort of conference Two of the, so there's a, a main balcony mm-hmm. right off the living room, and then the third bedroom and the master bedroom also have their own balconies. As far as I can tell, mm-hmm. every room at the Riviera has either a balcony or on the first floor it's got a patio. So that's really really good there. The two bedroom, which is what I had, mm-hmm. sleeps ten people, so six in regular beds, two mm-hmm. in fold down beds, and two in the trundle beds. By the way, Jim, did you see the the trundle bed thing on the first night? Yeah. I do you want to tell listeners what happened? As I understand it, that a mother with two daughters who were, were staying at the hotel and in the middle of the night, the trundle bed that the mom was sleeping in separated from the wall. And yes. the, the daughters had to come rescue the mom. It made a mom sandwich. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's a moment like this that you really feel for the crew that ran the hotel. Because face it, you hired contractors to come in to put in all this equipment. It all looks lovely. But again, you haven't had actual people in your hotel yet. And now 
whether it's somebody used the wrong length screw on that one bed or, you know, whatever the deal is, now every one of the trundle beds in the, the hotel has to be out of commission while they go and check to make sure that every Figure single one of these on. is properly anchored into the wall. And it's just sort of like, but again, that's the joy of opening a brand new resort. You know, it's just sort of like, right. oh, we're ready. No, we're not. I feel for the mom. Yeah, I'm, gl I'm glad no one was hurt. The, uh, so this happened apparently either late, mm -hmm. I think late on the first night, late on Monday night, mm -hmm. because we had gone out for breakfast on Tuesday mm -hmm. at the resort and come back. Mm -hmm. And we had a, uh, a notice taped on to the fold-down bed that said, sorry, can't use it. Mm -hmm. And if you were planning on use it, we'll move you somewhere else, right? So basically, yep. if you had, yeah, it, we would move you to the next largest room where we would make, make some sort of accommodation for you. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that no one got hurt, you know, yeah. seriously hurt yeah. from the event. And, and Disney handled it the best way that they could. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So I was in a two-bedroom, 1,000. 246 square feet, mm -hmm. bigger than any apartment I've ever, I've ever lived in, uh, Jim. So, uh, six people in regular beds. So there's a master bedroom with a, uh, king bed mm -hmm. and then, uh, two Queens in the other room, two in a fold down bed. So it's, this isn't a fold out couch. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things where the bed actually folds down on top of the couch mm -hmm. from the wall, uh, which allows you to have a better mattress. Mm -hmm. I really like this. And then, uh, two people in trundle beds. I don't know that uh, ten people would it, the the room would feel the room would feel full mm -hmm. with uh, with ten people even at twelve hundred and forty six square feet. The thing that I like about this design and this is what's different than the older DVCs. So the two bedroom villa had three showers in it. Hmm. The uh, on the uh, on uh, the bedroom opposite the master bedroom, it had a uh, its bathroom was separated so that one of the bathrooms had the commode. And a shower. Mm -hmm. And the shower was exactly the same as in the master bath shower. So marble tile, rainforest shower head, tons of space. It could hold a little conference call in there if you needed to. Mm -hmm. And then and the other uh, the other side of the bath had, had, a, had a sink and then a bathtub shower combo. And I really like this because the next night I stayed at, uh, sorry, two nights later, I stayed at Kadani in a two-bedroom. Mm -hmm. And it only had two bathrooms. Which again, only mm -hmm. only two bathrooms in my two bedroom villa is a sort of first world problem. But if you've got four people, um, you basically have to stage people getting ready. Oh no! You know, and, Whereas and, if you had that third bathroom, it would just make things a little bit easier. So I really it, like the new. You know, yeah. in the, this wonderful age of you know, well, like until they just changed the boarding group policy on Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance, the notion of trying to be, get people out the door for their 4, 4.30 trip over to the, the studio. I mean, that's the thing. Like just having three showers versus two, you can move things along that much quicker. Yeah, I really liked it. In fact, um, so we, uh, I, did a, uh, I did a quick survey of uh, the folks who stayed with us at the, in the two-bedroom at Riviera versus uh, the two-bedroom at the Kidani, and all of them to a person preferred the Riviera mm -hmm. over, uh, over Kidani, even, even though we had excellent views of the animals in the savannah mm -hmm. at Kidani. So the one-bedroom is 813 square feet, sleeps five people. And it's got that dedicated master uh, bedroom uh, with one shared bathroom. There's also a deluxe studio, 423 square feet, sleeps five. And then, Jim... There's the tower studio room. Have you seen pictures of this tower studio room? I, I've been told I have to chase this down. Oh, it's a story, Jim. Okay. So, uh, so every room, the deluxe studio is great. Mm -hmm. The one bedroom, the two bedroom, and the grand villas are all some, uh, uh, some of Disney's best DVC rooms. Mm -hmm. I, and overall, I really like the resort. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that. I think it's, 
I think it's fantastic. It's pricey. We'll talk about the, the, the prices right after this. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's a very good resort. Let me just say that the Tower Studio rooms, which sleep two people, mm-hmm. are literally the worst hotel rooms in Walt Disney World and the worst value without without question. Really? So I did the blog post on these, Jim, mm-hmm. and I captioned every photo with the words, I'll work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Every single photo. <laughs> If 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 they ever make um, uh, a sequel to The Shining with Jack Nicholson, uh-huh. they will stage one scene will be shot in this room. <sighs> okay, so I visited it at night. So it's mm-hmm. 220 square feet. These are um these are called Tower Studios because they're at the ends of each wing, mm-hmm. and they're not not quite round, but they're sort of like pie shaped studio rooms, and they've got balconies as well. Mm-hmm. 220 square feet includes the bathroom gym, which means that the main living area is somewhere between like 150 and maybe 170 square feet. And the the line that I used in the blog post was just remember they give you 65 square feet per person <laughs> in most state prisons. Okay. <laughs> two people, my, my I had two friends that were staying in this room and I walked into the room after dinner at night mm-hmm. and Good friends, people who I like a lot, people mm-hmm. who I would not mind sharing a hotel room with under any normal circumstances. And within 30 seconds, I'm not exaggerating, the conversation stopped. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I said after it stopped to get the conversation going was, this feels weird, right? <laughs> the room is so small that one of my friends actually stood in the bathroom while we talked mm-hmm. because that was how, you know, like when you're when you're standing in a group, everyone needs their personal space. Mm-hmm. This That was where... She felt comfortable in her personal space. Like, I will, I will go talk to you from the bathroom because there's not enough room in the main living area for the three of us to talk comfortably. It's just a little weird. I'm sorry. This is really making me channel my inner Shecky. The room was so small, I had to go out in the hall to change my mind. The room was so exactly. small. <laughs> the the mics were hunchbacks. You know, that, it's, I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> really? Normally, weren't these reserved for, you know, where you keep the tiny soaps? I mean, what, what, why would you it's, create a room this small? And it's pricey, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it, uh, the room starts at like 367 at night oh. and goes up to 610 okay. with taxes. There's First of all, let me just say, the, 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 room, the room size is not its main problem. Mm-hmm. Its main problem that is that it's dark mm-hmm. at night. So uh, they've got one central light fixture, mm-hmm. which is not bright at all. And... Although you've got windows, you know, at night, especially now when it gets dark at five o'clock, mm-hmm. the windows are black at night. And the they've got floor to ceiling shelves where the bed folds down from. The, the bed actually folds up during the day because the room is so small. But the the floor to ceiling sort of cabinets and everything, they've only got two lights in them. So there's not enough lighting in the cabinets. And two, it's painted painted this sort of like absor- absorption gray. Mm-hmm. Where the the gray just sucks the light from the room, so it's it's dark at night. And in fact, the brightest part of the room is the bathroom. So I, I was I was not kidding when I said if they had a chair in this room, I would pull it into the bathroom mm-hmm. to lounge because it's the most cheerful part of the room. Mm-hmm. I actually offered my friends. I'm like, look, I've I've got a two bedroom villa. I'm I'm only using one bedroom tonight. Everyone mm-hmm. else is checking in tomorrow. Come stay with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. We have to review it. We have to do the whole. The whole thing. To their credit, they actually they actually stuck it out for the night. Okay, okay. And, and stayed and, there, but Jim, <laughs> it was physically and mentally uncomfortable to be in that room for more than a minute. I don't know how they spent the night there, and they and they they said like 
when I walked in, they're like, yeah, we didn't know what we were getting into, that sort of thing. When Dean Coons and Stephen King come by to do turndown service, you know, you know, just... <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> Stephen King walks in, he's like, I'd just like to take a few notes. There we go. Before I... Let me just... A couple of pictures so I can remember what this is like. Oh, yeah, exactly. wow. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, it was uncomfortable in, in, in many ways. It was not a great room. Like I said, overall, I think the resort is great. Mm-hmm. That was not the best part of the resort at all. I don't know how they're going to sell it, frankly. I know that studios are generally the most popular DVC category, but mm-hmm. that room is not, not good for the points. What are those, the interactive experience where the, you're, you're locked in a room? It is. It's like the Riviera escape room. There we go. How do you escape? <laughs> you book another room. <laughs> Trust me. Give, give them six months. It, it, you know, they'll turn this into a revenue stream, Len. Yeah. <laughs> All of the clues lead to you picking up the phone and dying, dialing 1-800-W-Disney to book somewhere else. <laughs> oh. So, uh, so speaking of points, let mm. me just do a quick point rundown here. So Deluxe Studio, again, sleeps five people. At Kidani is 98 points uh, and uh, for a standard view room. And the Savannah view room is 117 points. I think that works out to at $18 a point, 4300 for a week over spring break versus uh, $5,600. At, uh, at the Riviera, it is for Deluxe Studio 135 and 160 points. So considerably more mm-hmm. at the one bedroom at Kadani is 194 points. Again, week over spring break, 231 uh, points for a Savannah view room. That's 3,541.50 if you're keeping track for a week. The Riviera is actually about a third more than that. Uh, 268 points versus 194 Oof. for a standard view, one bedroom. Mm-hmm. That's a $4,800 at $1,800 a point versus 3,500 mm-hmm. or a $1,300 price difference. For the preferred view rooms versus the Savannah view rooms, it's 328 versus 231. Mm-hmm. So almost 100 more points for $1,800. Same thing for the, the two-bedroom. It's uh, 345 points at Riviera, 241 at Kidani for the standard view rooms, or 429 and 311 for the preferred and Savannah view rooms. So about uh, $2,000 more per week mm-hmm. for the, uh, the two-bedrooms at Riviera. But again... And the rooms are better. Mm-hmm. Whether they're $2,000 a week better for the two-bedroom, mm-hmm. I'd have to think about because that's that's a lot of admission. But yeah. if you've got the money, uh, it's a better room. One of the keys to this resort being built at all was the fact that the 50th anniversary is happening right over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just the whole notion of you want to stay at the brand new resort that's next to Party Central for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. So no problem for the first... Two and three years, but it's you know, going to be kind of intriguing to see, you know, what happens with the resort in, you know, 2022, 2023. Yeah, after the initial uh, attendance bumps of the uh, of the 50th. I will say one more thing. If you walk out to the Skyliner, mm-hmm. you pass through a very European archway, which has fantastic, intricate tile work. You know, the, uh, the tile work inside Cinderella Castle in the Magic Kingdom yep. that shows the scenes of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, basically the Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. Same type of quality tile work here. Basically quarter inch tiles that go all the way up the wall and onto the ceiling telling the story of, I believe, Tangled. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic tile work. A really nice blue. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, and the inside of the, uh, the arched walkway mm-hmm. uh, are fountains. It is a super picturesque way to either uh, leave it for the Skyliner or when you're coming back, you know, to come back to the resort. 
it uh, and it opens up to uh, into the uh, the back end of the resort. So really fantastic look. Uh, like I said, overall fantastic resort. Only thing I didn't like about it: the Tower Studio rooms. Uh, but other than that, really, really good uh, opening for Disney. It's a it's a great addition to uh, to DVC. Sounds amazing. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Jim is going to tell us the history of the Caribbean Beach Resort on which the Riviera is built. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, Jim, we're uh, we're uh, almost fifty minutes into the show. Let's do the abbreviated version of the Caribbean Beach Resort timeline. Are you ready? Yeah. You know, and in fact, I want to say now you got into the Buzz Price archive. I did. Right. And there was that famous uh, meeting. I mean, Eisner had come through the door in uh, late September, early October of 84. And then there was that famous meeting on property, I want to say in January of 85, where, you know, the whole notion was, okay, you know, Michael, one of the things we're doing here is we need to get new hotels up out of the ground. But the question is, what sort of hotels? I just recently have come across the initial description of what they were doing with Yacht and Beach Club and mm-hmm. Boardwalk and Dolphin and the Swan. They literally referred to that chunk of property as the convention kingdom, Len. <laughs> this is where we're, you know, we, we want our, all of our conventions to happen because we want to support Epcot. Because, again, that was the, the problematic park at that point, you know, getting people to come back and eat in the restaurants and that sort of thing. But at the same time, in this famous charrette, this three-day-long thing that was held in January of 85, they talked about the fact that clearly they needed moderate hotels on property. And the question was, well, where do we build these moderate hotels? And and again, same thing. It was the notion of, well, look, we have slots that, that we've previously picked out for things. And at one point, they were talking about they'd cleared a slot on the edge of Bay Lake for what was then going to be known as the Cypress Point Lodge. But in the end, it was one of these things where it's like, look, this is next to the Magic Kingdom. This is like our, you know, our most popular park, and we shouldn't be building a moderate there. We should be building you know, a full-scale, you know, amazing hotel, which is how Cypress Point, which was a relatively modest 800 moderately priced rooms, became Wilderness Lodge, you know, which, which opened in 94 and has since, you know, between the, the villas and the Copper Creek Canyon, the satellites, I mean, you know, that's the deluxe's deluxe. But it wasn't honestly till August of 87 that Disney started construction of Caribbean Beach. But the notion was, okay, in the exact same window of time, we've gone forward with construction of the Grand Floridian, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a 900-room deluxe hotel, you know, right next to the Magic Kingdom. And we're going to build this $50 million project, the Caribbean Beach Resort, which was Disney's first real run at the hotels out on 192. There's this famous press piece that was written during this period that, in fact, it's Martin Hunter, the president of the Central Florida Hotel and Motel Association, just basically said, you don't understand, you know, Disney's doing this now. This is the thing we've been fearing our entire lives. If you honestly think Disney is going to quit with this one hotel, you're crazy. Right. And sure enough, when the, the hotel first opened in October of, of 1988, First set of rooms, they had uh, 750 of them ready to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, they would continue construction there till June of 89. The three different phases, and I want to say upwards of 2,100 rooms total. And this is during a period where Disney's on-property hotels 
have an occupancy rate of north of 85, sometimes 95% year round. Yeah, that's very strong. Yeah. And so the initial selling point is here is Disney's first affordable, you know, themed hotels. You know, and you're paying $75 a night for room. In fact, that's the medium price. They, they went from, I want to say... Parking lot view was 65, garden view was 85. I actually stayed here in 88. This was the first Disney hotel I ever stayed at. Really? Okay. And Yeah, Caribbean so Beach. Do we remember what it was like? or um, It's a lot like it is now. It hasn't changed much, but, uh, yeah. but I, I, I thought mm-hmm. the theming was excellent. Mm-hmm. I liked the scale mm-hmm. of the room. So you remember most of these are two-story oh, buildings yeah. mm-hmm. with a handful of rooms on, on each floor. Yep. The couple of times that I stayed there when I was, you know, when I was young, obviously, mm-hmm. I didn't care so much about the uh, the walking to the central food court. So rather than each building have its, having its own, uh, you know, food or amenities, you had to walk into the central food court. Mm-hmm. I thought at the time the food court was fine. Mm-hmm. Again, I was young, but overall, overall, I enjoyed it a lot. I was uh, I was obviously very excited to be staying on site, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, affected a lot of my views. But yeah, overall, overall, I liked it quite a bit. I did. I still love. I think the the color scheme is excellent. Mm-hmm. I think the landscaping is very very good, and I don't mind the um, the in room air conditioner units, which are the old store sort of uh, '80s style mm-hmm. motel air conditioning units. I don't mind those at all. I think they're fantastic. Yeah, this was created basically to sort of fire a shot across the bow of you know the, the hotels were down in Kissimmee where you know people were paying twenty and thirty dollars a night and yes it's still quite the upcharge from twenty and thirty dollars a night to sixty five to eighty five a night but yeah, right. compared to what you're paying for the flow or the the contemporary or it's one oh five to up to one hundred and sixty five <laughs> one hundred sixty five for the contemporary I think that's actually the tax on the rooms now <laughs> I'd have to go back and look and <laughs> it's pretty you, close you know but I guess for me the most fascinating time was right after nine eleven oh yeah jeez March of that year Porter Orleans had just under Dick, Dixie landings had uh, had closed right that's it well that's, no no sorry it had opened well, the, the weird thing is they had done this elaborate rebranding in March where Dixie Landings went away and suddenly it was Port Orleans and you had the French Quarter and the Riverside as opposed to, right. you know. But then, of course, you know, the 9-11 happens and, you know, on-site, because nobody can fly, that on-site occupancy at the resort just falls through the floor. And so, you know. It, it, Remember, they, they actually clo- they closed resorts like they closed ugh. French Quarter? They closed all of Dixie Landings and they kept only 350 rooms open in the French Quarter. And then... Yeah, it uh, was... I, so I stayed there actually when that happened. And because uh, it was one of Bob's mm-hmm. favorite places to stay mm-hmm. at the time. And I remember like biking around the resort mm-hmm. and it was a ghost town. And it stayed that way till May yeah. then. It was closed. You know, they, they shut it down from November to... Uh, it, and in fact, it, you know, they only were able to open it again... Uh, May 31st of 2002. In, in January of 2002, they said, oh, Caribbean Beach. Oh, we have to redo the food court. And since people won't have any place to eat, we're shutting the entire resort. 
rather than admit that they were dealing with some really scary issues, you know, I mean, Disney put a very brave face on, and no, 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 we're, we're going to, you know, from January to June, we're going to be redoing the food court at, at Caribbean Beach, and it just doesn't make any sense. And all I can think of is when I stayed <laughs> at, at Caribbean Beach Resort while they were building Riviera, and I, you know, I remember coming into a room and there was this Disney bag on the table to the effect of, hi, food court's closed, here's your food. <laughs> we're seeing open meals ready to eat. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's it, exactly. <laughs> they closed it, right, uh, during the slow September, October, November periods, mm-hmm. right, and it reopened around Christmas, right? Yeah. But taking 2,100 rooms out of circulation oh, at Disney, oof. Yeah. And that, for me, I guess, is the other thing that's kind of fascinating about picking this exact spot for the Riviera, because, you know, now yeah. we lost Barbados, we lost Martinique, Hotels yep. now down to, what, 1,500-plus rooms? It does a number of things, though, because Disney's been doing this pretty frequently over the last decade. They'll take some existing capacity and either uh, and convert it to DVC. So they've done it at Wilderness Lodge. Mm-hmm. They did it at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Uh, here, you know, they take, they take some existing cash rooms mm-hmm. out of circulation, which boosts the overall occupancy of the resort, right? And creates uh, less supply, which allows them to increase prices. But they also create a new DVC revenue stream, you know, for the next forty years. Mm-hmm. So it it really helps their 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 books in a number of ways. Oh, assuming no, no, they no. can keep selling DVC. I get it. In two thousand eight, they totally redid the pool area. You know, and and, and in fact, yep. you know, have the Del Moro pool with the pirate theming. And this was right. done on the pirate themed rooms, yeah. Right. And then the Nemo, Nemo, Nemo themed rooms. Yeah. I mean, they they made a lot of really smart choices with this hotel over the years. And when you factor in what the Skyliner has done, and it's it's fascinating to me to to be now have people they'll talk about Rise of the Resistance and you know the the operational issues here. Do you ever hear anybody talking about Skyliner now? No, it's been. I mean, and it stops every day. Yeah, right for for a few minutes, but it's not. Uh, it's not as bad as it used to be by any means. Mm-hmm. But what that's done to make each of the hotels, you know, whether it's Art of Animation, Pop Century, or for that matter, you know, Riviera with Caribbean Beach Resort, you know, the the number of people who are just passing through or, or getting off to experience these hotels or go to the food court and do a little shopping and that sort of thing. If you talk with cast members, it's like, wow, everything they said this was going to do, it's doing that and more. Oh yeah, no. I, I, I tell you, the uh, Caribbean Beach looks great from the Riviera. The 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 most obvious one is the Martinique section. So if you're over in the uh, the East Wing, mm-hmm. you can walk to Martinique, mm-hmm. and it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The the blue paint, uh, you know, the bright blue paint mm-hmm. uh, looks looks really really good. And then Aruba is closest to the Skyliner. Mm-hmm. So actually, Jim, if you're if you're in Aruba, I think fifty four, fifty five, fifty six, the shortest transportation for you is probably the Skyliner if you mm-hmm. wanted to go to Epcot or the Studios. Not, it's not the bus. Yeah, and there's nothing. There's, no, there's nothing that prevents you from walking there. It's it's a free flow of traffic. Mm-hmm. You can you can definitely walk there if you need to. No, so it's just it for me. It's just going to be fascinating going forward here. You know, especially sort of the one-two punch of you know Riviera opening and and what Disney hopes is that this DVC will become sort of the well, you're 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 coming out for the fiftieth, and you know you you want to be close to Epcot. This is the hotel you want to be at. Oh, but yeah, that totally. one-two punch of well, you know, if you're a DVC member, you know, come to the Riviera, or hey, you know, if if you know, you want to get make your dollar go a little further, we've got you know our classic Caribbean, which again, 
31, you know, again, open October 1st, 88. So this is a 31-year-old resort at this point. And yeah. it looks dynamic. The landscaping looks great, though. And they've, you know, they've redone the, the food court now, I think, what, for the third time? Yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine for what it is. It's not highly rated. But you're, if, you're, if you're staying at Caribbean Beach, you're not necessarily going there for, uh, for the food. You're going there for the, the look and feel of the resort. You're going there for its proximity to the parks. And for its uh, for its grounds, so it's 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 landscaping. It's uh, and the rooms the rooms themselves are fine, right? It's it's not bad. It's also relatively inexpensive, uh, especially for the rooms farther away from the uh, skyliners. I, I was about to say for the for the amount of money that you pay for a studio, you know, a room in the tower, you know, to get that much more room, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, stay it, stay at Caribbean Beach, get two rooms. There we go. Spread out. So. <laughs> All right, good uh, good synopsis, mm-hmm. uh, Jim. Thanks for the recap. Okay. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.BandCamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. We'll be doing chainsaw and flamethrower ice sculptures at the First Night Portsmouth event this December 31st, starting at 2 p.m. in beautiful downtown Portsmouth, New Hampshire. (laughs) In the meantime, please go into iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.